Welcome back to another episode of the Thursday Night Streams podcast. This semester, we are kicking things off with Gina Briseño, who will be talking about our fiat, responding with Mary to God's call. In a world whose motto is, let's get it done, Mary teaches us to say, let it be done. Mary will walk us through the dispositions of knowing and doing God's will in the extraordinary and ordinary moments of daily life. So Carmen China Briseño is a consecrated virgin and has dedicated her life to the work of missions and evangelization. She is also the founder of Sacred Print, which seeks to evangelize through art and beauty. So without further ado, here's China's talk. So I feel like really old. I'm just gonna start right by saying that right now. Like super old. Um, I'm an alum from here, I won't tell you what year. But Pedro, where is he still here? He left. Oh, there he is. <laughs> so I met him when he was like nine or 10, right? And so now he's making like announcements and he works for the diocese. And like, oh, right? So I feel like really old. <laughs> Anyway, it's always good to be back. Just so good to be back. And I wish that I would have taken advantage like you guys are doing, because I was not all that involved. All right, I have a random, I'm gonna time myself so that I don't talk too long. Hold on, if not. All right, random question. What's the purpose of a phone? Coffee. Good, okay, so, good. No, I say that because people, that's not the first thing that they say. All right, what else? What else can you do with a phone? Google, text, videos. All right, question. Can I, can I use a phone to play baseball? Not for long. Yes, no. All right, show of hands, yes or no. Can I use a phone to play baseball? Yes. Okay, actually, show of hands, I didn't even say what you're showing, okay. If you say yes, raise your hand. If you say no, raise your hand. You say, I'm still eating and I don't want to raise my hand. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, technically, my question is can I use a phone to play baseball? So, for example, what's your name? Nicole. Nicole. Can I literally tell Nicole, Nicole, stand over there, you're going to get a bat, I'm going to throw you my phone, and you're going to whack it with a baseball bat? Can I literally do that? Yes. Yes. Gravity is not going to say no and like fly back to me, right? So, like, I can. Right? But. Should I though? No. Technically, people are like, yes, I'm like, give me your phone, let me do it, right? <laughs> All right, should I go? No. Nicole, why not? Um, you're gonna break it. You're gonna break it, but actually, don't worry, Nicole, because in my heart, I really don't believe it's gonna break, so. <laughs> Will it break? Nicole, I don't think you understand. I truly, sincerely, from the, like, I honestly, in all my being, believe it's not gonna break. Will it break? Yeah. But why is it gonna break? You guys are like, what does that have to do with anything? But that to follow on. Why will it break? Because God didn't want you to bring it. Okay, true, God's like, zapper phone. But it's not God's not like, no, what else? Yeah. So what? Why is it gonna break? Ah, good, it's not made for that. What if I, who said that? Okay, what's your name? Sam. Excuse me, Sam. <laughs> who are you to tell me what to do with my phone, okay? This is my phone and I do with my phone whatever I want. And he's like, hmm? Yes. Poor Sam, like I'm just joking. He's already like, what's going on with her? Yeah, <laughs> so he's you know what, it's your phone, do with your phone whatever you want. Don't come to me crying when it breaks. Because it will break, okay? Now, let's think about this for a second. It will break because it wasn't made for that. I can do with my phone whatever I want. If I use it in the proper way, it's not gonna break. If I use it in a way it wasn't created to be used, it will break. But I sincerely believe it won't. Well, you were sincerely wrong, right? Because it will break, okay? Now. Why do I say that? Because when we're talking about discerning God's will, when we talk about our life, when we talk about these things, we need to ask a big picture, a big picture question, which is, what was I created for? Because here's the thing. The phone was created by somebody. This podium was created by somebody. Somebody created everything that exists. And the person who makes it gives it its purpose. I mean, that's just the way it is. 
And so none of us, you guys are all beautiful, you're young, you're awesome, but none of you created yourselves, right? So none of us said, I want to be born, and bam, here I am in all my glory, right? No. Can you imagine if you can choose your family, your siblings, your, you know, time period? That would be really cool. But no, we receive life as a gift with a purpose, right? And so when we begin, we need to ask ourselves, okay, well, what is the purpose, right? Is it something that I just randomly choose? What is it? And so I wish we had more time to go like super in depth, but I want to just boil things down and we really need to say, okay, God, like what was the purpose you created me for? Because if I begin to act in accord that purpose, it's not that things are going to be easy, right? But I can navigate through that. But when I begin to use my life or seek things not in accord with the way that I was designed, then we break, Okay. And trust me, like I said, I see you guys and I feel old, not young, because I was like, I remember being where you guys were, and this is like decades, okay? So, you know, and experience has taught me, my own experience and, and talking with other people, that we strive for things in a wrong way. And so let's ask that big picture question for a second. Okay, so then God, like, what am I created for? Like, what is going to bring me this? Well, let's boil it down. And we're going to talk about God's will, but what's the point of doing God's will? Because God wants us actually, guess what, you're not going to believe it, to be happy. Like, he really does. But happy, people are like, 10 burritos make me happy, right? But they give indigestion, right? So that's a problem. I'm Hispanic, I know. Okay? So here's the thing. Think about this for a second. Let's look about all these things that we strive for because we think that's actually going to make me happy. And Gina just said that God's purpose is for me to be happy, so go for it. Well, okay. Does anybody know who they've done, like, studies because people are weird like that? Who are some of the most miserable people in life? Like, instant misery. Do you know? The richest. Okay. Close. Yes. Close, but there's a specific type of richness. Do you know? You know, now you have a purpose. So, yeah. People who won the lottery. Yes, people who won the lottery. You'd be like, excuse me, that's called instant happiness, right? Like, you maybe didn't have money or you were okay, and then bam, you won the lottery. You would think, I mean, I would think, for some of the people that are literally the most miserable. There was a girl, I didn't bring a PowerPoint, but it's interesting, you can, you can look her up, in um, Scotland, so she, they didn't have like an age limit, like where you can gamble and stuff. And so at 16, she played and she won the lottery. Okay, and she won millions and millions. And it's so funny because you see her with like this purple Range Rover because purple is the color of the sports team. I don't even know, okay? And so she spent all her money in a house and all this stuff. And now she's 21 and she's suing the lottery company, okay, for making her miserable. And people are like, well, she's an idiot. Well, no, here's the thing. She's like, I, I, at 16, it was too young for me to even gamble, right? And all of that money, all of that stuff, I was not prepared for what came. So a lot of us think, oh my gosh, money, money, money. No. Okay, I know, beauty, beauty, beauty. Yes, so I'm from Venezuela. Does anybody know where Venezuela is? When I say Venezuela, people hear Minnesota, not Minnesota. <laughs> I don't know why, it's true, it happens all the time. Venezuela, next to Colombia. All right. We, now everybody's like Chavez and the communism or whatever, okay? But before, okay, it was known for beaches and the women, blah, blah, blah. So when I lived in Venezuela, guess what girls, when they turned 15, so quinceañera, okay? What did quinceañeras want? So if you're like, what's a quinceañera? Like sweet 16, but Hispanic, okay? So what did quinceañeras want? Money. Money, no. Yes, plastic surgery. They wanted, let me say this nicer, breast augmentation, okay? Legit, okay? So I was a group of six girls, like six best friends, and out of the six, four got breast surgery, okay? Like, just me and my best friend were like, that's insane. Absolutely not, you know? And it wasn't, it wasn't just because, like, oh, I just feel bad. It was a lot of it was for attention, right? And so imagine that, like 15. But again, beauty, 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 all it takes is one accident, all it takes is one disease, and that's gone, so it can't be that. And so on and so forth. Like you can think about fame, you can think about all these things. So when you're striving after those things, you have to see, okay, what's the fruit of that? What's the fruit of when I'm always on Instagram doing this, showing this, showing this? It's like an anxiety, like a, like a tension, right? So it's like, okay, that's not what we're talking about. That's not the purpose, to be going after all these things. So. Does anybody know the Catholic term for authentic happiness? Like, 
It's not so much happiness, there's another word. Joy, true. Actually, you guys are really smart. That's not what I meant. Um, it's in the Beatitudes. I just said it. Beatitude. Okay? I was like, it's in the Beatitudes. You just gave it away. Okay. The Beatitude, right? Jesus and God created us for Beatitude, which is like that everlasting joy, that absolute fullness, completeness that nothing can take away. Nothing. People can take away your money. That's okay. You can lose your health. That's fine. Right? People can defame you, say all sorts of stuff. That's okay. And it's not a restless joy that's like, I'm really happy for five seconds and now I need to get back. No, it's, it's calm joy. And that is what God is asking us for. Like, that is what he's promising is like this beautiful happiness, this beautiful beatitude. Now, why would that be important? Because if you, what happens, one of my favorite saints, if you've ever heard me speak, you're like, here she goes again. But yes, okay, because I have to talk about her. So, Pedro's like, I've been hearing it for the past 15 years. So, and some went them in. So, anyway, here's the deal. Here's a young girl, 17 years old, okay? Normal, beautiful Italian girl, just normal. Wasn't that great at school, failed like a school year, all these things. Long story short, one day she's playing tennis. She gets a horrible pain in her shoulder. Her racket like drops, right? And she goes to like the doctor thinking like, oh, severe tendonitis, and she's 17. And they say, no, it's cancer, and you have one year left to live. Imagine that, okay? A lot of you are older, right, than 17, but just imagine that for a second, right? So cancer, one year left to live. This is where the reality of life, life, meaning purpose, comes to a head. How do you deal with that, like really? So if you don't have faith, it's really hard to deal with that because it's like it's meaningless, it's purposeless, or maybe, if you have this bad idea of who God is, and oh my gosh, God is punishing me, that was not how she responded. It's really interesting. She was an only child, by the way. Her parents tried for 11 years to have a kid, finally had this little girl, and now she's gonna die, okay? See, she had a strong relationship with Jesus, and she understood the big picture, right? So imagine a puzzle, and there's all these pieces, right? And then you look at like the puzzle box, and you can see, okay, where does this piece go? And you kind of can tell by the colors, okay, this goes here. Well, life is like that, right? There's a big picture. Okay, we understand eternal happiness, joy, heaven. So when we get this piece of disease, death, how do we deal with that, right? And so if, if our understanding of happiness is pleasure, joy, all this stuff, then that doesn't make sense, and your life will be a misery, right? But if you really understand the big picture, then it's like, okay, this does have meaning. So Kiara, you can even Google her. They, there's a whole documentary on her. She went into a room for like 20 minutes to like process. And she came out with a big smile on her face. This is what her parents say. And this was her motto. And I love it. She said, for you, Jesus, if you want this, I want it too. Wait, wait, wait. Did Jesus want cancer? No. Right? But she was saying, if this is a part of the journey of like heaven and actual like beatitude, I want it. I'm not, I have to deal with it anyway. It's not like, I don't want it, thank you, take it away. Like, no, she had to deal with it anyway, right? And that transformed everything. So they gave her a nickname, Luce, which in Italian means light. She was so joyful, joyful, which is crazy because her dad, I think it's kind of creepy, he said that um, people would go visit her. You know, like when you go visit somebody who's sick to like bring them joy? Well, Sorry, Nicole, you're just like in front of me, okay? So she's there. Imagine like she's saying, and we're like, oh, I'm going to go cheer her up, right? So our friends are going to try to like cheer her up, but it was the opposite. Yeah, that would cheer her up, right? And like everybody else. So dad was like, there's no way. This isn't normal. So he's like, when the door would close, this is like these Italian homes that have like, you know, the big like keyhole. He's like, I'm just going to peek through the keyhole because I bet you she like sobs, right? And he was looking at through the keyhole and she was like literally fine. She was joyful. Which is crazy because her hair would begin to fall out because of the radiation. She would just say, for you, Jesus. This isn't a nun. This isn't a sister. This is a normal girl who understood her purpose. And it's like, okay, I can do with this because, Jesus, you want through this too. And so it's beautiful because as she's dying, she, she dies when she's 18, her last words, I mean, just, just think about that for a second. Her last words, remember, she's Italian. So she's like, ciao, mama, right? Like, bye, mom. And so she says this, which I love. She says, be happy because I'm happy. No, honey, you're dying, right? Like, <laughs> you are dying, right? But she was happy because she understood, like, you know what, God? Like, all of this, and she offered up her suffering, just beautiful. And I just recently read a book that they did on her, and her friend said that, like, 
one guy said that he felt he had to go to confession before going to a room because just like entering her room, there was like something sacred is here. I thought, man, that's crazy, right? Like how many of us people have to go to confession because they were with us, right, then afterwards, you know? But this was like actually this amazing girl. So here's the thing, here you have people like her, or here you have people like Garba Bultis, which I saw that you have some of his like Eucharistic miracles. As you're going up through, I don't know if you know this, right? But as you're going up to like the chapel, just like Eucharistic miracles there, that was from a website that he did. He was 14, 15, and he loved computers and all that stuff, and so he dedicated himself to making website, making a website about the Eucharistic miracles. Why am I saying all this? Because God used his passion, his joy, didn't throw it out, right, but sanctified it. And here's a young boy who dies when he's 15, the first millennial saint, right, who actually used internet, who played Xbox, all these different things, and how incredible, right, that God still used that. And so why is that? Because they understood where true happiness came. So here's a, here's a dilemma that we have. There's a conflict of wills. There's God's will, and then there's my will. And it's kind of like, what do you call it, like arm wrestling, right? But actually, if we really think about it, God wants what we want. God wants our happiness too, right? He really does. So it's not a conflict of will. The conflict is, yes, we both desire happiness. God really, really wants it for you, but the way we go about it is kind of crazy. So what I want to do today, oh, that's an introduction, by the way. What I want to do right now is, long introduction, is talking about, okay, how do I find that happiness? How do I discern and know the will of God? Like, how do I do that? This isn't a discernment talk on like vocation and blah, no. It's a little bit more simple. It's like, okay, how, what are some criteria? What are some points of things we can look at? Okay, like how do I discern God's will? And the best person to help us with this is the Virgin Mary. She's amazing. So let's take a look at this. Who remembers the Annunciation? Who's like, what the heck is that fancy word? I don't know. All right, so the Annunciation was when the angel Gabriel came to Mary, okay? And look at this. I just love it because the angel comes to her and he's like, hail, full of grace, right? The Lord is with you. She's like, huh? And I can just imagine her being like, what? And so it's beautiful because he says, hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. And it says she was like perplexed, like what does that even mean? And look at what God, look at what the angel says to her. He says, do not be afraid. Yeah, right. An angel just came, but okay. You know, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. You're going to conceive in your womb, bear a son. You will name him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob and his kingdom will be no end. And what I love about this, like basically, guess what? You're going to give birth to God, right? Can you imagine that? And Mary, what I love about it, she's not like, I got this. I understood. I got it, right? For a lot of us, it's that way. Think about what is acronyms? You were talking about acronyms. What's the acronym of DIY? What does that mean? Do it, do it yourself. That's our mentality. I don't know how to do this. I'm going to do it myself. Like, don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what I got this, right? But what I want us to take a look about, look at this is Mary's response. She's like, how can this be? Like, that's insane. How can God be asking this of me? Does anybody remember what the angel's response is when she's like, what? How? Because she's like, I'm literally a virgin, so I can't give birth, right? Like, that's never going to happen. How is this going to happen? What does the angel say? Does anybody know? Anybody remember? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. It's not like, okay, Mary, so here's a plan. You're going to go find Joseph. Like, no, there isn't a plan. How is this going to happen? God will take care of it. If you guys went to Mass, Father Fair was talking about that, right? That we're like, oh my gosh, we're so nervous. Like, what's going to happen? God will do it. God will do it. Chill out, right? And so when we're beginning to discern God's will, when we're beginning to discern all these things, and we'll be like, oh my gosh, God may be calling me to marriage, or oh my gosh, God may be calling me to serve as a focused missionary. How can that be? God will do it. God will do it. Let me give you a few examples. What did God ask Moses to do? Hmm. Yeah. small thing, right? Like, you know, <laughs> go to Pharaoh, who's been trying to kill you, and get all the Israelites and go through the desert and go that way, right? That's insane. That is insane. And I love Moses, right? Because Moses is like, who am I? He literally says, like, who am I? And he's like, I literally stutter. Like, the, 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 like I cannot talk. <laughs> right? And he's like, you have a brother. Your brother will speak, right? But, but it's interesting. It's not even that. When he's like, who am I? I stutter. God's response is, I will be with you. 
That's literally his response. Exodus 3. Gideon. Who the heck is Gideon? Gideon, all right? In the time of the judgment, we read about Gideon. He had to deliver Israel from the Midianites. An angel comes to him, and all the glory, do not be afraid, you know, all these things. And I love Gideon because he's like, no, 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 I don't think you get it. My family, he's the weakest, and I'm the youngest, right? And I love the angels. I'm like, okay, like, do 10 push-ups and, you know, go do this, get a BA. And no. What does it say? What does he say? In Judges 6, it says, I will be with you. So he's not looking at, like, how do I, what, what, what capacity do I have? It's like, no, actually, you're chosen because, like, you have no capacity whatsoever. And God will actually work through that. Joshua, he has to deliver the people again and enter into Canaan. And I love it because he's like, this is literally what he says. He's like, but the men are of great size. They're so tall. We look like grasshoppers. That's literally what Joshua says. Okay, we look like grasshoppers. They're going to smash us. All right, like how? Like, by the way, and Moses had died, like all these things. What, is, what does God say? I will be with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. The Virgin Mary, how can this be? The Holy Spirit. So when we're discerning God's will and we feel like, oh my gosh, just even, just even like, how can I be chased in my relationship? Like, that seems like crazy. Like, the Lord will be with you. Like, ask for the grace. You know, one time I was on retreat and it just struck me and I heard it to get, again, a mass and I thought it was beautiful. You know, all these retreats, you're like, you got to be a saint, you got to be holy. And I'm like, do you know me? Right? Like, it's really hard. If you pay attention to Mass, the priest says something fantastic. So here's this ordinary piece of bread. You know that is an ordinary piece of bread, right? It's just an ordinary piece of bread. But then, right, through the priest, through Jesus, a huge miracle happens, and it's no longer just whatever bread. It's literally the body, blood, soul, divinity of Jesus. That's crazy. How did that ordinary nothing become literally Jesus? How do we, nothing, become literally another Jesus? Look what the priest says, and I'm sorry if I like butcher it and I don't say it right. But it's interesting, because the priest says part of the prayer, part of part of the part of that prayer, I'm sure it has a name, but it says, You are holy indeed. Have you heard of this, right? The fountain of all holiness. You've heard of that. Make holy, therefore, these gifts we pray. How? Does anybody know how it goes? Make holy there, not, not Father, you're excluded. <laughs> Make holy therefore these gifts we pray. Okay, okay, make it holy, this ordinary bread, how? By sending down your spirit upon it like a dewfall. So make holy this, how? Because bread, you gotta be like, I'm gonna be holy. No, right, like you can't, right? So make holy for these gifts we pray, how? By sending down your spirit and smacking it across, like the dew fall. Calm down. Okay? Calm. Maybe it's just me, but I'm just like, you know, we have this idea of like, I gotta do, I have to do, and then we look at it's not that. It's that receptivity. So I wanna look at three things that the Virgin Mary teaches us in this whole enunciation, just in her life. Number one, it's that humility, right? Because she says, I am the handmaid of the Lord, handmaid. That sounds so pretty, but literally slave. Okay, I have the slave, you know. Slaves didn't have their own will in a sense, right? It's like, come here, do that. Like, she's saying, like, I'm a slave. Not, I'm going to say yes to you, Jesus, now, but then down the road, I'm going to be like, peace out. No. Like, slave. Humility. But I have a question, because we have a weird, we don't understand what humility is. What is, humi what is humility? C.S. Lewis. Well, okay. C.S. Lewis talks about humility. That's one of my favorite authors. But he's not humility, but okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, oh, that's very good. I like that. But let's bring it down, because you're like up here. <laughs> What's humility? So I tell Nicole, you're so pretty, and I'm like, oh, I'm horrible, I'm ugly. That's terrible. <laughs> oh, she's so humble. Do you know humility is truth? That's literally what it is. Humility is truth. And it comes from the word like humus, not hummus, but whatever. You know, it means earth, so like truth. So you don't think better than you are. You don't think you're worse. It's, it's truth. It's recognition of who you are. And it goes back to what you're saying, because it's like seeing things how God sees us. So when I look at myself, it's true. Before God, I am nothing. But he created me, he loved me, he gave me life, right? So I am worth a lot, but because of his beautiful dignity that he gives me. So it's that truth. In Dante, I love Dante, the Divine Comedy. If you've ever read it, it's fantastic. He has punishments for the seven deadly sins, right? And they're, they're brilliant. So like envy, does anybody know? Eyes sewn shut, right? 
Because envy is like, ooh, look at her, look at that, blah, 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 right? And it's just like eyes sewn shut. So like pride, do you know what pride is? People have to walk around with a ginormous boulder on top of themselves all the time because in their life they always wanted to be like exalted. But also, it kind of like puts you to look at the ground, the earth, the reality. That, when we talk about humility, it's not that. What I mean to say is humility is truth, right? And so I have this little donkey. Um, I love saying Jose Maria Escriba, and I, I stole this from him, so you can steal it from me too. He has this little donkey, and he would have this saying of like, imagine a donkey that they put like, you know, stuff on top of it, and it has like gold and silver, and the donkey's like, oh yeah, like look at me. It's like, dude, you're a donkey, right? <laughs> the treasures are, you're just bearing it, but like you're a donkey, right? And so he would have that donkey to remind himself like, yeah, God has given you all these great things, but you're just bearing it, like you're a donkey, right? Um, and I love it because I always have my little donkey just be like, you know what, God? A donkey's good. A donkey brought Jesus into Jerusalem. I'll do that. A donkey brought Mary. You know, I'll do that. But again, this humility of just being able to say, okay, why do we need humility? Because I can't discern God's will if I think I know it all. I can't. I can't. Oh, I got this. I know. I know exactly. When I was like 10, I made like a list. And so I know exactly what I'm going to study, like what car I'm going to have, and like what age or what age I'm going to be married. This girl... She's a friend of mine. She put a post like, I'm getting married by 30. And it was this whole thing of like how she never thought that she would be married by 30. I'm like, why is that a big deal? It was God's time. Who cares? If you would have gotten married at 22, it would have been the wrong person. So praise God. Who cares? Right? But it's this idea of like, I can control this. No. And so with humility, if we have humility, we can discern God's will because I'm not going to be moved to do something out of envy. Of course, they chose Valerie because Valerie can speak better than me. And then when they did the retreat, they didn't think about what I did. No. Who cares? I love, I don't remember who said this, but it was a beautiful example. That really what humility is, imagine that you and I are architects. And so they're, they want to design a huge cathedral for God where people are going to worship God. They're going to encounter God. How awesome. And so him and I, we, we do our drafts and we give it to the people. And they choose him. Humility is like, praise God that the best option was done, that the most beautiful cathedral is going to be done. I don't care who did it, whether you or me. I'm just happy that a beautiful cathedral where God is going to be worshipped is going to be done. Who cares who did it? But we're not like that. Let me tell you a true story. So I give a lot of talks. Okay. There's a retreat called Cursillo, right? And in that retreat Cursillo, they ask people to serve. And so they ask me to serve, right? There's different things that you can do in Cursillo. And I was like, well, obviously, I'm going to give you talks. I mean, hello, right? <laughs> obviously. <laughs> you know. And so they would give, like, these, like, you knew kind of, like, your assignment, because, like, these, at least that's how they did it at that time, like, different colored folders. And so, like, I got, like, orange. I'm like, orange are the speakers. And I'm like, nope. I was like, what the heck? And it was so funny, because when I opened it, no, honey, it was cleaning. Toilets, okay. And it was so funny because I was like, "All right, <laughs> good." You know, thank you, Jesus, because because I would have prayed. I always pray about my talks, but I would have been like, "So, what's up?" Like, I'm comfortable. It's fine. Toilets, really, you know. And so that was a lesson of like, whatever needs to be done, you do done. The other thing is, when you're humble, you can accept correction. This is a true story. <laughs> we, were on a, we were on a pilgrimage, and I was with one of my friends, who's a really good friend of mine, he's a priest, and we're at all table together. And then he goes, the problem with you, Chena, and in Spanish it's way better, but anyway. <laughs> he said in English, like, the problem with you, Chena, is you don't like to be corrected. Like, no te gusta aceptar corrección, no te gusta que te digan. You know. And from the, like, but out of, like, Instantly, he's like, you don't like to be correct. I'm like, that's not true. And then I started, I thought, I was like, oh, like literally the epitome of what he's saying. Like, you don't like to be corrected. No, of course I, I mean, I was like, oh, okay, like, fine. Because here's the thing, when you're prideful, you don't know you're prideful. Nobody's like, oh, I'm prideful. Like, you don't know it, right? And so the problem of discerning God's will and no one's asking you, if you don't have humility, you think you got it, you think you know, you're not gonna ask for correction, you're not gonna ask for direction, and you're just gonna waver and wander, and you're gonna be at the, at the will of anybody who's more influential than you. So number one, humility. On your table, 
You have, I don't know how many are there, maybe we can make some more. Yeah, so you have several, and you can share. I wanna tell you really quick, give me one for a second. These are all things for you guys to have. I'm sure that if you need more, um, you can go through this. So there's a litany of humility. If you've never read it, it's like a slap in the face, people. Okay? The litany of humility. And if I if I understand this correctly, I think it was a secretary of like a pope or of a very important cardinal who actually wrote this. And so I remember before going to Bonica, because I used to work at All Saints, and they would take a team of 12 um, students, uh, seniors, to go to Bonica. So we would pray this every day before going to Bonica. But before doing that, we would have prep meetings. I would say, okay, we're each going to read one. And as we read it, well, I'll tell you the girls' reaction in a second. Just look at some of these. It says, oh, Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. Okay, yay, good. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. What? From the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, of being honored, of being praised, of being preferred to others, of being consulted, of being approved, deliver me. From the fear of being humiliated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised, from the fear of suffering rebukes, I'm gonna go down, from the fear of being forgotten, from the fear of being suspected. And then look at this, this is even like worse. That others may be loved more than I, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be esteemed more than I, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I decrease, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be chosen and I set aside, that others may be praised and I have noticed, that others may be preferred to me in everything. Here's a slap in the face. That others may become holier than I, provided that I may become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire. So when we read that, I was like, what do you guys think? One girl, like me, like, you know, when I said that, like, that's not true. Like, she's like, how about no? <laughs> so she's like, how about no? Like, I don't like this. But I love it because you're like, what do you mean from the desire of being loved? It's not from being loved, but that constant desire and need. Love me, love me, love me, love me, love me. Right? Deliver me. You know? All of these, like, that in the opinion of the world, others may increase, I may decrease. It doesn't say Jesus gives me that. Grant me the grace to even desire it. What a beautiful gift. This litany of humility. So if you struggle with pride, I don't struggle with pride, then you struggle with pride. Right? Pray the litany of humility. Number two, quickly, receptivity. I love the Virgin Mary because she says, let it be done unto me. So not do it yourself, let it be done unto me. Think about Adam and Eve grasping, wanting, taking. No, 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 let it be done. Let it be done. So in this discernment, it's like, okay, God, like these are my wishes, these are my desires, these are the gifts that I think you have given to me, and I will move in this, I will move in this direction because I feel that you're calling me there, but whatever happens, just let it be done. And so how does that happen? That happens with a daily yes. And all these small things, when you wake up, those daily inconveniences, yes. Yes, Jesus, okay, yes. I'll, I'll be receptive to even this. Opal they with St. Jose Maria Scurial, when they wake up, they kiss the ground and they say, say to me, I'm like, I will serve. I will serve you today, right? And so those little inconveniences, those little things that you're like, oh, it's okay, God, yes, I accept this, it's cold. How do people, I do this all the time. When it's cold, what do you do? And your car's literally right there. You run to your car. <laughs> Because three seconds of enduring cold is too much to bear. You, no, let it be done, it's okay. Like just take it, calm down, right? Like all of these things, right? It's these little small things that lead to big things. The receptivity to God and momentary encounters, small little sacrifices, those little yes, the receptivity of accepting what God has given you will give you the strength when a big thing comes. So I'm from All Saints, which is in Manassas. Yeah. All right. But next to us, there's Holy Trinity, right? Which is awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Father Yenwadi is amazing. And here's the thing. In 2010, um, he's one of, I think, like seven brothers. The youngest brother has Down syndrome. If you've ever been to Holy Trinity, you've seen his brother. He also serves. He's beautiful. What happened was, is though, in 2010, um, they were going to celebrate the birthday of the Virgin Mary, okay, so September 8th. But they live in a farm, and in that farm, they had a septic tank. If you don't know what a septic tank is, it's like a sewer, okay, where all of the nastiness from everywhere goes into a septic tank, and then leather gets taken out. All right, so that septic tank had like a lid, 
okay? And so what's happening is they're like, calm Joseph, like the younger son has Down syndrome, and he was walking, but instead of walking around the subject tank, he walked on top of it, the lid wasn't strong enough, and he fell. The dad saw that, ran, and his last words were, I'll push you, pull. So he jumped into the subject tank, pushed, was pushing his son up, right? And he didn't like let him go to like, breathe and go back in, but he just kept pushing up. So they, they were able to save Joseph, but he passed away in the process of that, right? And so I remember hearing that, and I was totally shocked. I'm like, that is so heroic. I used to lead a young adults group in Washington, D.C., and I had one of the brothers come and give a testimony, like, tell us about your dad, about his heroic faith, all this stuff. And he said something that just struck me so hard. He's like, everybody, when they see my dad, kind of like what Father was saying, you know, St. Blaise, like, they know that one incident, right? He's like, when they see my dad, they're like, oh, his life was so heroic because he did that. But he would never be able to have done that, acted that way heroically, if all throughout his life he was in constantly sacrificing, constantly serving, constantly training himself. He was a pilot. So even if he came, like, at 2 in the morning and he had his 4 in the morning adoration, he wouldn't miss it. He would go. Right when, his, when he was reading or doing something, it was one of his kids came, he would just like drop the book. And his constant little yes, his constant little receptivity to what God was asking led him so that when it came to that moment, he, didn't, he had the virtue to do it. So it's kind of like strength training. I've never done weights, I never will, so too bad, so sad. But there's no way that I can lift 50 pounds, like never. In order to lift 50 pounds, I need to lift one. But I can't lift one for a year. That's worthless. You lift one, that becomes easier. You lift three, so that later I can lift 50 pounds. Well, it's the same thing with receptivity to God. If I say yes in small things, little sacrifices, little things, when a big thing is asked of me, I'm trained. I can do it. Right? And this is literally scriptural. It's beautiful because it says, if you're faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you're going to be dishonest in large ones. We are not going to have the grace and virtue to make a big heroic commitment for the rest of your life in marriage or in consecration or ordination, whatever it is, if you're not faithful in these little things. If when an image pops up that you know is going to be detrimental to you now, but later your marriage or your priest or whatever, if you're not able to just say no to that little thing, forget it. Later it's going to be a lot harder. Okay, so it's noticing those little things, those receptivity. Final one is, oh, by the way, how do I do that? So here you have the surrender novena, okay? This surrender novena is amazing, okay? And you can do it continuously. And it's a beautiful little novena because receptivity is accepting what comes from God and just surrendering because you know he's a good father. So I'm just going to read day one. This is Jesus kind of like talking to you. He says, why do you confuse yourself by worrying? Leave the care of your affairs to me, and everything will be peaceful. I say to you in truth that every act of true, blind, complete surrender to me produces the effects that you desire and resolves all conflicts, all situations. And then what do you say? What's a part of actually prayer? You just say ten times, oh, Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. Oh, Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. So you get this really bad news, or you're, Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. That's what Mary did, right? Let it be done. Last one is trust. So Mary will tell the servants, do whatever he tells you. It's that just total trust and abandonment. Like we understand who God is. And because we're humble, we realize, okay, God has a better plan. So I'm able to follow this wherever it goes. And so that's a beautiful thing. I was going to, but I don't have time. But just very, very quickly, um, talk a little bit briefly, just even about my vocation. You guys heard that I'm a consecrated virgin. Like, that's nice, I don't know what that means, right? Um, long story short, before there were even religious orders, the first forms of consecrated life for like women were what's called the order of widows, like widows. And then these virgins, women who didn't want to marry anybody else, not because they're like, I want to live an independent life, no, but because their heart was fully belonging to Jesus. And so these are the early virgin martyrs because here a Roman would come, want to marry them, and they're like, nope, like I'm already married to God, and so they were denounced as Christians and killed. At first it was like private vows, but then it was public, meaning that now the bishops are the ones who are consecrating them. And so from the very, very beginning, you could be like, well, you don't wear a habit because I'm not a religious sister, okay? So all religious are consecrated, not all consecrated are religious. Think about that. Anyway, um, so I dress like this because I'm, it's normal, right? I'm in the world. Well, how, do, how do I live my consecrated virginity? Be, with the gifts and talents that God gave me. So I love to write, give talks, do art, all those things. 
But the beautiful thing is, when I was your age, never in life would I have ever thought that I would be consecrated. Never. If you would have told me, I would have been like, peace out, no way, right? Like, I would have never. I was not that holy child. I was not, like, at all. But it was those things that little by little, wanting more, I went to World Youth Day, then oh my gosh, what's going on? Then I feel there's something deeper. What does that mean? You see, I was a weird kid. When I was young, what do you want to be? People are like, teachers. I'm like, detective, right? Like, and then once I grew out of that, Nancy Drew, right? Once I grew out of that, then it was Disney animator, because I've always loved art. And then it was National Geographic photographer, okay? And then it was, I just want to travel the world. But the beautiful thing about allowing God into your life is that as always discerning, discern, okay, maybe I'm called to consecrated life. And by the way, people are like, when you begin to discern and it's from God, you have such peace. Maybe if you're like super holy, but I was freaking out because I was like, oh, no. And I went to like religious school, like run by teeth by nuns. I love them. But you have this idea of like, no to everything. And it's not like that, you know, but I had fear because I didn't understand, I didn't trust, I didn't love, I didn't have humility. But anyway, the beautiful thing is as I was discerning and found about consecrated virginity, I saw that God can use me and my weakness, but still through the things that I love to help others, I was beautiful. So God didn't just take my, oh, you like, you know, Disney animation and drawing? Well, denied, right? Like that's not how God is. So I literally have part of my apostle is called sacred print. Like I literally do drawings of saints of like a thousand different things. I wanted to be a National Geographic photographer. I'm not, but I'm using my photography. I just did a pro-life project focusing on taking portraits of families who have kids with special needs. What a gift. God didn't say, oh, how cute, you like photography? Denied, no. What about traveling? I've always loved traveling. Well, God used that, purified that, and I do mission trips and go. So God used all of it. But what did, how does that come from? To being receptive to what God wants, to being humble, to just being able to listen and to trusting that God actually really does have a good plan for us. And so the last thing that's on your sheet, go to the second page, is the litany of trust. This is a beautiful prayer to pray. And so it's based on kind of the litany of humility. You're gonna notice that it follows the same pattern, but look at some of the things. From the belief that I have to earn your love, deliver me Jesus. Look at these things from the fear that I'm unlovable, from false security that I have what it takes, from the fear that trusting you will leave me more destitute, from all suspicion of your words and promises, from the rebellion against childlike dependency on you, I'm gonna keep on just going through, from the anxiety about the future, from resentment or excessive preoccupation of the past, from less of self-seeking, from belief that my life has no meaning or worth, it continues. And then it goes, Jesus, I trust in you. That your love goes deeper than my sins and failing and transforms me. Jesus, I trust in you. And you go down. And it's such a beautiful prayer because it allows us to have that mentality of Mary that's like, okay, God has a plan. I don't get it. But how will this happen? God will take care of it. As he told Moses, as he told Gideon, as he told Joshua, as he told Mary, as he tonight through me tells you. Right? So next time when you're struggling, pay attention to Mass. Pay attention to how God will make that ordinary bread, right? Not only take this all of you and eat, obviously the words of consecration, but by making them holy, by sending down your spirit upon them like a dewfall, pay attention to mass of how God in the ordinary things seeks to sanctify us. So I'm just going to end in a quick prayer. And then we can just open it up for your comments, discussions, questions. We'll go from there. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this time, for these amazing young adults who have gathered here tonight. Just open our hearts so that whatever was planted today may actually bear fruit. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. So what questions, talks, comments? Something. Yeah. So when you're trying to figure out your future like path and career, yeah. what's the balance between like just trusting God will take care of it and like being proactive? Yeah. Because like you don't want to obviously just like, like like sit back. No, of course. So we're not like Jesus told me what to do, right? And just like just saying you're scratching your belly. No. So you begin with a desire. Okay, I kind of feel like God might be calling me to this. So you, you follow that. 
right? Like you, you proactively seek. So the thing about love is that you receive love, but then you have to respond to that love. So it's the same thing. So as you're thinking about your future and all that stuff, you have to ask yourself a few questions. Like, okay, what's the main goal of this job? Like, why am I literally pursuing this? Is it just pure money that needs to be purified? Not that that job is not it, but that intention needs to be purified. You're discerning between two jobs. Is your only criteria in which can I make more? Or is your criteria in which can I serve better? Not only just others, but my family, for example. So there's certain things that you have to say, okay, I'm gonna follow this way, but what is the intention? How can I serve better? How can I put my gifts and talents more to that? How do I respond to what God's calling me because I have this passion for computers? Well, how can I make that better? You know what I mean? So how is your career, what that is, of service, and what are the motivating drives, if that makes sense? What else? Yeah. Uh, in your work with Sacred Print, do you ever interact with other apostles, like work on higher ascension? Oh, I wish, please. I'm not that famous. <laughs> yeah, I wish. I think they're beautiful. I've always wanted to because I had this... Pedro and Samuel have probably heard the talk a thousand times, which is like my time talk. And so, like, you could give the time talk. Um, but I made, I even, like, illustrated a book that's bilingual. It's like one side is English, one side is Spanish. I've always had, like, I want to send it to Matthew Kelly and, like, them. Not to chicken. But I should be bold and be like, just do it. We'll see. Right? But I would love to, yeah. Because I truly believe that beauty evangelizes. That, that just being in the presence of beauty, whether that's like liturgical beauty, whether that's just nature beauty, that there's there's a longing in our hearts that you're like, oh, I want that, and that opens you up. So, maybe soon, I don't know. Anybody else? Yeah. Um, so obvi obviously it doesn't hurt to like go to a spiritual director, but yeah. how important do you think they kind of play? Okay, good. So. I should say all this, that this isn't like a deep discernment talk, because I would have absolutely talked about spiritual direction. Yeah, the importance of spiritual direction is very important. Why? Because it's like, oh my gosh, everything that I desire is what God desires, what a coincidence, right? So what a spiritual director does, it has a bad name, because director means do this, do that, do this. That's not what a spiritual director does. Right? A spiritual director will usually meet with like once a month, kind of like discern what's in God's heart. The spiritual director can also say, you know what? We need to purify these things, or we need to, so they help also confirm and help us ask questions to begin. And it's not only spiritual direction to like, okay, I'm called to marry, like, peace out. No, that in marriage, how do I best live the holiness of marriage? How do I best live, me as a consecrated virgin, I have a spiritual director, I have had it for years, right? So I think it's super crucial because you need somebody to, who's like a coach. I'm gonna be an Olympian by myself, do it yourself. No, you're not, right? You need a coach. Somebody who's been there who could say, mm, how about this way? How about that way? How do I find a spiritual director? So there's only one priest, so everybody's like, oh, I'm like, no. Okay, you can't do that. But I always say, he's like, thank you, Gina, for saying that, right? <laughs> but here's the thing. Go to confession regularly to any priest in the diocese. Go to confession regularly, for example. And then how does that priest hear you? How does that, and if there's a, you're like, you know what, every time I go, you know, every two weeks, every once a month, whatever. I, I'll ask him after a few months, does he offer spiritual direction? That could be. That's a good way. Okay? But yeah, they're super important. So thank you. Yeah. Can you do spiritual direction with consecrated women or men? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it doesn't have to be a priest, right? It could be consecrated women and people. It's not just like you're super holy. So like you, could, you need to have holy friends that keep you accountable. But you do want somebody who's been experienced, who knows about the spiritual life and can help you there too. So yeah, thank you. What else? Yeah. How did you learn about consecrated virginity and how did you feel like that was what God was calling you to? Awesome. So I didn't know about it because how would you know? If I didn't tell you, you'd be like, oh, the married girl, right? Because she just has a ring in the end. Well, here's the thing. I learned about it from a friend of mine who she was discerning consecrated virginity. I was like, what? Actually, I lie. You know what happened? I just remember. I went to St. Mary's, true story. Which, okay. This is like dating myself so bad, but it's okay. There was a show on MTV called, what was it, The Real World? The Real Life? The Real World? Anyway, old, old, old. There was a guy who was Catholic way back when. His name was Matt something, I don't know, but I liked him, okay? And so he was going to give a talk at St. Mary's. So I was like, yes, okay? So I went. And in the pew, I think that was a God sign because 
that that doesn't exist. What I'm telling you right now doesn't exist. I saw a pamphlet on Consecrate Virginia, which makes no sense because we're not in order in the sense of like, join us, like that's not the way it works. So why that, and I remember reading it and saying, this is the stupidest thing I've heard in my life. <laughs> like become a sister or get married. Like I remember that's the first, but I never thought about it. But then later I learned about it from a friend who was asserting that. And I thought it was interesting because I was like, wait, 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 wait. So like as I am, like with my gifts, my talents, that charism, like I can, I can do that. So through spiritual direction, it was first, okay, is God number one calling me to be his? If, if the answer is yes, then okay, then where? Because it could be religious life, consecrated life, society, apostolic life, secular institutes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it was easy because I already kind of knew I love religious sisters, but I didn't feel called to that, so that was easy. And then I looked into Regnum Christi or different things too. And then, but once I found about consecrated virginity, it was like a mirror. I was like, oh my gosh, that's who I am. Not who I'm called to be, but like, that's literally me. So that was beautiful. It was like recognizing myself in that vocation in like a nutshell of years of torment and discernment, but yes. <laughs> so, so I hear you say a lot like for a consecrated religious, like be fully his. Yeah. So in marriage or that vocation, how can you be fully Jesus but also fully give yourself to your spouse? Well, right, okay, so great question. So number one, we're all called to belong, to be wholehearted for God, okay? We're all called to that. So really discernment is kind of like looking at your heart and kind of saying like, how was I created to love? So in marriage, right, it's in a sense, yes, it's fully God, but it's also like mediated in the sense that if, if I would have been called to marriage, then my goal is with my husband, he needs to help me right, get to heaven, I need to help him get to heaven, our kids, like that is a focus. Like you and I together, we are literally to be a sign of the Trinity. That's what marriage is. Like that's the beauty of human sexuality. That just like when you see a priest, you're like, oh yeah, look, a priest, so you remind you of God. We should look at married couples and be like, oh, the Trinity. Like we should, right? And so absolutely, like you help each other grow and get closer to Jesus. But here's the thing, as a consecrated virgin, I can't give my whole life, my whole attention, my whole love in the way that I do now, undivided in that sense, right? Fully to God in the way that I do now. Can I give talks and still be married? Absolutely. Can I do art and, and still be married? Absolutely. You see, with consecrated virginity, it isn't so much about like what I do. Because a lot of people think about religious life as like, what do you do? It's like who I am. So I'm called to be Christ's bride. And just so like we don't believe in polygamy, like I can't be married to like, I was gonna say your name, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> so like Paul, like Gabriel, like I literally can't, like my heart needs to belong to one. As a consecrated virgin, right, my heart belongs fully to Jesus in a way that I can't give to Peter. You know what I'm saying? So that's important. So in marriage, the beauty of that gift of belonging fully to God, yes, but then with your husband through that, helping each other, carrying the cross, all that, right? But in particular way for me, it's like I can't give myself fully to this person. It's not I can't do this job. Of course I can. Of course I can. I could do all of this, all of what I do, but I can't fully be his in the way that I am now as a bride, only his, if I was married. But that's the beauty of it. That's how God called me. That doesn't mean that if you're married, you're less. That's not what we're talking about. It's just I need to respond to my vocation. That's a great question. What else? Well, thank you guys. I know it's been long. I'm gonna pass it over and I'll stay around if you have any questions or just comments. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Thursday Night Streams podcast. It is always a joy to have Chena come over and speak. And it's always so good to have alumni come give back to the community. And you will be able to find the link to China's Sacred Prince shop in the little description down below wherever you're listening to this podcast at. But other than that, thank you guys for tuning in. We hope you enjoy and we'll catch you guys in the next episode. God bless.